The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hey, welcome to everybody. Today uh, on Absurd Psychology, we're talking about depression. I hope everyone's having a great day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those that don't go together well. But uh, depression is, is something that is extremely pervasive in our society. Over 18% of the population of the world actually suffers at some point from depression. It is a very, very debilitating disorder. It is something that really affects a lot of people's lives, and it comes in waves. It, comes, it doesn't just happen it, it happens, it goes away, and it happens. It's kind of like a cold or the flu or, you know, a, a virus. And it takes place over a very long period of time for many people. Um, it is a very strong disorder that actually will take someone's life over. It actually becomes your personality as it, as it creeps into your life. And, and, you know, we look at it and we wonder, well, how do we get this particular disorder? How, how does depression come around? Well, it's, it's genetic. It, it falls into your family. It's something that you can look into your family history and look at some of your individuals in your, in your family and see, yeah, they, they suffer from it. Uh, and we're going to go into some of the symptoms so you can identify that. But the other thing about depression is it's a thought disorder. And the thought disorder of depression really falls around a very simple concept. And if you can grasp this concept, you can actually understand how depression operates. Depression is created by a very strong amount, a very large amount of unmet expectations that are actually very unreasonable. Um, If I'm to expect my child to do their homework every day, I'm going to probably be very angry and very depressed. If if I'm going to expect my uh, spouse or friends or people to always treat me respectfully, I'm probably going to be very depressed because people all in all are very inconsistent in how they deliver. Uh, People do not deliver consistent results on a normal basis for the most part. Um, People are very mood-driven and they tend to operate from that. And so what we have to look at is what expectations do we have in our life that are unreasonable, that are ridiculous, that are over-controlling, and change those, and change those into what's called a preference. A preference means that I prefer, and there's not a huge emotional attachment to a preference. If I were to say, you know, I prefer that you treat me like this instead of I demand or I expect to be treated there's a, a very big difference in the emotional reactivity that we have to a preference compared to an expectation. Also, you know, we have to look at 
our need to control things that we cannot control. Our span of control is much less than what we like to think it is. Um, the only thing that we can control is the decisions that we make and the actions that we take and the emotions we decide to, to make important in our life. And we make those decisions and we control that and that is the span of control we have. Um, you know, depression is a mental health disorder. It's a psychiatric condition. And specifically, it's a mood disorder characterized by persistently low mood in which there's a feeling of sadness and a loss of interest. It's, it's known by several medical uh, terms in which signify this diagnosis. Clinical depression is one. Major depression is another. Major depressive disorder is another one. Persistent depressive disorder. And then there's dysthymia. Now, what is that? Well, dysthymia is basically a flat line. It's somebody that's like Eeyore, you know, on Winnie the Pooh. They're just basically, you know, yes. Uh, they're very bored, very flat, very, very flat people. They don't have a lot of emotional ups and downs. They're just the same all the time. There's also the, the dysphoric disorder and and, and depression is a, a persistent problem. It's not a passing one. The average length of a depressive episode is six to eight months of a person's life. And that's basically because uh, people spiral down into depression when their brain is deprived of dopamine and serotonin. Now, what are those two things? Well, if you can imagine a uh, field of grass, a field of grass, and dopamine would be like the the, the sticky substance on the bottom of your feet that makes a trail across the grass. The more sticky substance we have, the more trails we're able to make in our brain, which are called neurological paths. These neurological paths in our brain, the more we have, the more options our brain has to think. The secondary thing is serotonin. Serotonin would be the people walking across the paths. And so the more people you have walking, the more deeper the paths get ingrained, the wider the roads get, and eventually you have what's called a superhighway in your brain. And we want to have lots of superhighways. If we think about the United States or the world, when the invention of the interstate took about, all of a sudden people were taking vacations and going glorious places. Well, that is what opens up the world to us. I mean, the famous Route 66 uh, opened up America. And so what I'm trying to say is we need to have lots of interstates. And to have that, we have to have dopamine, dopamine and serotonin in our brain. The problem is with depression, it's a de deprivation of those two particular chemicals that our brain manufactures. And as it depletes of serotonin and dopamine, meaning that we have lots of expectations that aren't getting met, we start feeling very depressed. Let's say we lost our job. Let's say somebody passed away. These type of things occupy our brain and drive it into a deep, sad form of thinking. And as we do that over a long period of time, what basically happens is the brain gets used to manufacturing less dopamine and less serotonin. And then what happens is we don't have the ability to recover from the depression. And we need an event or we need something to take place, a change in our life to actually get our way out of the depression. And so some people are able to think their way by lowering what they can control, occupying their brain with more constructive thinking. Others are so deep in the depression 
that they actually need medication to supplement, and it is called a supplemental medication, is an antidepressant, to supplement the dopamine and serotonin so that their brain can get back to a stable form. And if they can stay on the medication for a good period of time, six months, a year, what will happen is the brain will get used to and trained to make that level of dopamine. So the key is, when you get off an antidepressant, we'll talk about medication later, but when you get off an antidepressant, you don't just go off it. That's why people have psychotic episodes. What you do is you slowly decrease it so your brain can make the difference of what it's trained to do. And if you can do that over three, four, or five-week period, what happens is the brain will make up the difference and will make what the medication made at the level in which the brain was used to. And so this is a very, very important aspect of, uh, of depression is understanding how it works, how the mind thinks, and how we respond and why medication is so important. It's so sad that people these days have so many feeling negative feelings towards medication uh, when medication is an awesome way to get the brain to be able to receive counseling and actually listen and actually think clearly. Otherwise, what happens is when the brain's depleted of dopamine and serotonin, the brain starts to work in the brain stem, which is where our fight or flight mechanisms are. The brain stem, basically, if it's the only thing getting dopamine and serotonin, we're always going to be emotional and all of our decisions are going to be emotion-based. And that's the sad thing about depression is we start making decisions on how we feel rather than what we think. And so if you hear people, and, and this is a very defining thing about depression, if you hear people say, well, I feel and making decisions on how they feel, that tells you that they're wrestling with a sense of depression. Because your life cannot be conducted on how you feel. It has to be conducted on what you think. Your, th your individuality is defined by your thoughts, not your feelings. And you do not want your personality and your person to be defined by your feelings. You want your feelings to accelerate. You pick the feelings that help your thoughts succeed. You dispose of the feelings that are constructive towards your thoughts succeeding. The people that succeed the most in our world, that accomplish goals that they wish to accomplish, are people that are able to make very good thoughts and attach feelings that motivate them towards those thoughts. And that is how a person becomes an individual. And so d depression, you just become a big wad of emotions and your life gets flowed into that. Now, Looking at major depression, major depression is characterized by the inability to enjoy life and experience pleasure. Symptoms are constant, ranging from moderate to severe. Left untreated, major depression typically lasts for about six months. Some people experience just a single episode in their lifetime, but more commonly, people have reoccurrences, and that is what you need to be conscious of. Once you've had depression before, it is very important to recognize when it's coming back because then you need to take action. Now, how do we take action to, to uh, if you want to go without medication or, or to pair it up with medication to get the brain to manufacture more serotonin and more dopamine is very simple exercise 20 minutes to a half hour of exercise can be 60% of a mild antidepressant and so what is important is is making exercise and I'm talking about cardio making exercise be the thing 
that you actually don't attach emotions to, that you actually function. You do it. You do it without thinking about it. You do it without judgment. You just do it. You go do it. And, and unfortunately, most people that get gym memberships, and believe me, gyms all over the world make billions of dollars on people that never show up. They come for two weeks, they pound it hard, and then they go away. And that's because they're making emotional decision to try to fix themselves rather than a, a decision to fix themselves. A person that makes a decision to fix themselves stops attaching emotion and starts tackling the problem. And that means that we get out there and exercise not one, not two, not three days, every day of your life. If you choose to treat depression with exercise, then what you really have to do is do it every day. Without sacrifice, you just got to do it. Without compromise, you got to do it. And, and a brisk walk is all I'm really talking about. And that's, that's the sad thing is a lot of people can't even motivate themselves to do that. Now, the other thing about depression is it is a very challenging disorder to overcome simply because your brain is occupied with lots of negative feelings and lots of negative thoughts. People that are depressed are oftentimes looking to be sad people. Well, Sad people is one symptom, but the other symptom that is most pervasive about depression is irritability. Irritability, people that are irritable, that are hard to approach, that are very difficult and very challenged, that don't listen well, people that are in their own little world, those people are depressed. And it's very important to be able to recognize that. It's not just sadness, it's irritability. And actually, depression shows itself in children as irritable. Irritable children are depressed children. Okay, so now let's look at some other types of depression. We talked about dysthymia, which is called a low-grade depression, and we also need to talk about bipolar. Bipolar disorder is depression. Now, what is it? Well, bipolar people go from way high to way low. Uh, they go from the happiest people in the world to the most depressed people in the world. Sometimes they stay in one place or the other, but oftentimes they fluctuate between one mood extreme to the other. Um, some people are more extreme than others. There's a bipolar one and there's bipolar two. Bipolar two people tend to be more uh, stable. They tend to be able to have jobs. They tend to be able to function, but they're just hard to deal with. They're very difficult people to have around. And bipolar one, people tend to be extremely crazy and cannot keep a job, extremely inconsistent in how they deliver. We also have something that a lot of people talk about, but it is called a seasonal affective disorder. Some people, and the reason I'm doing this is because we're heading into the holiday season, and we are in the holiday season actually, and when people start mixing, but the deal is, is that Seasonal is very, very strong. As people move into the winter months, many people fall into depression. And that is simply because there's a lack of sun and there's a lack of, of activity out there as far as what you can do, especially if you're in a winter climate. Another depression, and I'm just uh, defining uh, different depressions, is postpartum depression. And a lot of women don't realize they have it, but one in 10 women 
after a delivery will suffer from postpartum depression. And what is that? Obviously, is when a woman delivers a baby, three to six months, they may experience a hormonal imbalance and a deprivation of their dopamine and serotonin levels to the level that they can't attach well to their child. They don't feel like doing anything. They're bedridden and they're just not motivated at all. And so what is very important to understand is with postpartum depression is that you cannot uh, allow a person to suffer during the time that they're bonding with their child. That is something that the depression has to be taken on. And whether it's with medication, and yes, you can take medication when you're breastfeeding. You, you can actually take uh, uh, Prozac can be taken during breastfeeding, and it has been tested not to be harmful to a baby. But secondarily, if you choose to not go with that, then what you really need to understand is you have to work from the, the, the sense that you've got to get off your butt and exercise. So mom's clubs and, and stroller strides and things like that, women that suffer from postpartum, you need to get out there and you need to exercise, not just to get yourself feeling better about how your body looks after having a baby, but secondarily, you need to get your brain functioning and get your brain in a place where it's happy and functioning and tuned in to your child, and that's exercise. So getting out there is huge, and needing to do that is huge. Huge. So, what causes depression? You know, it's genetic, it's biological, um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, basically your brain is set with different types of dopamine and serotonin levels and ne- neurotransmitter levels that are genetic, and you can't prevent that. But what you can do is expand it. Also, you know, your environment. Some people are, are, grow up in a place where people are extremely depressed and sad and angry and irritable and controlling and nasty and temperamental and yelling. And, and when you grow up in an environment like that or when you're exposed to an environment like that on a consistent basis, it's going to take over your personality. And so it's very important to understand that that is part of life. And, uh, you know, we have got to take on those environmental challenges and try to find alternatives so that we can spend less time in a depressing, nasty atmosphere and more time experiencing time that we enjoy with people that we enjoy. Also, life events create this, unemployment, divorce, poverty. Um, You know, I can tell you that people that live paycheck to paycheck are very vulnerable to depression because they don't manage their finances, they don't manage their life, they feel their life is out of control, they have high expectations for what they should have done and what they could be doing to help themselves. And so what basically happens is they begin to get depressed. Uh, They're very vulnerable to that. So people that live on the edge um, really are setting themselves up for a very strong depression. Also, um, people that don't have a lot of coping strategies to stressors or adaptive mechanisms or they have poor ones like smoking or or smoking pot or whatever, they need substances, taking you know, alcohol, taking uh, drugs of some sort, whether it's prescription or non. These type of things also lead us into depression. So we have to look at that. And we also need to look at you know head injuries and things like that. Uh, chronic pain syndromes also can cause this because people go on opiates. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to look at the signs and symptoms and then how to treat depression. Thanks for listening. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. All right, so we're talking about depression here. And what we have to look at is some of the signs and the symptoms of depression. Um, Some of these things include uh, like feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. Uh, That would be like, uh, in human terms, uh, like a bleak outlook. So nothing will ever get better. There's nothing you can do to improve your situation. It's people that are very self-defeating in how they talk about life and themselves. Also, another thing that can tell you that a person is depressed is loss of interest in daily activities. You know, if there's no interest in former hobbies or pastimes, social activities, sex, you've lost your ability to feel joy and pleasure. And this is a very strong indication that you are depressed. Also, appetite or weight changes, significant weight loss or weight gain, a change of more than 5% of body weight in a month can tell uh, is a strong indicator that a person is depressed. More often so, it's a person that is gaining uh, 5% more body uh, weight and so, you know, people that have lots of weight fluctuation oftentimes are riddled with depression. Also, sleep changes are very uh, easy to tell a person is, is depressed. If a person has insomnia, especially waking in the early hours of the morning or oversleeping, uh, which is also called a hypersomnia, that means that a person is another red flag. It doesn't mean, all these do not mean that a person is actually depressed, but what they are are symptoms to say, hey, you need to check this out, you need to tackle this. Anger, irritability, as I said before, uh, you know, feeling agitated, restless, violent, your tolerance level is low, your temper's short, everything and everyone gets on your nerves. That's depression. That's what it looks like. Also, a, a loss of energy, you know, feeling fatigued or sluggish and physically drained. Your, your whole body may feel heavy and even small tasks are exhausting and take longer to complete. That's depression. Uh, it also could be a medical issue. Any of these could also be attributed to a medical issue. So you want to look at your doctor, but you also want to think, hey, if I'm not getting it solved on the medical side, I'm probably depressed. And that means we need to take it on, whether it's in therapy or with a psychiatrist. And by the way, you don't have to go to a psychiatrist to get a mental health medication that helps 
depression, you can actually go to your regular doctor. Most doctors will prescribe an antidepressant without a problem. There are some that are anal retentive and strange that don't, but most of them know how they operate and most of them carry them and have them and understand how to, to dispense of those type of medications. Self-loathing is another, which is strong feelings of worthlessness or guilt where you criticize yourself for perce- perceived faults and mistakes. Another one is reckless behavior, which is engaging in like escapist behavior such as substance abuse, compulsive gambling, reckless driving, dangerous sports. I mean, people need adrenaline rushes oftentimes because they suffer from depression. And so what they do is they try to seek thrills, and that is when they actually feel alive. They don't feel alive when they're just living, it's not enough to just live. They have to do something to actually feel like they're alive. And that's depression. Um, Concentration problems like trouble focusing, making decisions, remembering things. These type of things, big flag, big depression flag. Also, unexplained aches and pains. And that's called a somatic symptom. And, And oftentimes, depression does have physical symptoms with it. And that is because the body... Is is hypervigilantly monitoring itself because it knows that something's wrong. Your brain knows something's wrong, and it's trying to find a physical symptom. It's stressed out about it, but the deal is, it's a mental symptom, which is a depletion of dopamine and serotonin. And so, you know, w- we look at how it looks like, and in men, depression is loaded with, uh, you know, in the word culture, it's a very loaded word for men. And uh, it's not accepted well. And uh, they may not associate to it. And so when we talk about depression in therapy, oftentimes men are like, uh, I, don't, I don't have that. So what you have to talk about is fatigue and irritability, sleep problems, loss of interest in work and hobbies when you're posing that to a, a person that is a male that is depressed. You know, it, it's almost a stroke to their ego uh, to, to tell them that they are depressed. So the deal is the wording of depression is oftentimes has to be very delicately placed to a man. In women, uh, rates of depression are almost twice as high reportedly than they are in men. And this is due partly to hormonal factors, particularly when it comes to premenstrual syndrome and uh, premenstrual dysphoric uh, disorder, postpartum depression, uh, premenopausal depression. As for signs and symptoms, women are more likely than men to experience pronounced feelings of guilt, uh, sleep excessively, overeat, gain weight, and and women are also more likely to suffer from the seasonal affective disorder that we talked about. Also, depression in teens shows itself differently. While some uh, teens appear sad, others do not. In fact, irritability rather than depression is frequently the predominant symptom in depressed adolescents and teens. A depressed teenager may be hostile, grumpy, or easily lose their temper. Unexplained aches and pains are also common with young people. And left untreated, teen depression can lead to problems at home, at school, drug abuse, self-loathing, even irreversible tragedies such as homicidal violence or suicide. But with help, you know, teenage depression is very treatable and that is why I really wanted to do this show because depression is of all the mental illnesses out there the most treatable mental illness there is. Um, In older adults, 
uh, such as bereavement or loss of independence and health problems are what can lead to depression, especially those without strong support systems. It's, it's not a normal part of aging, but older adults tend to complain more about physical rather than emotional signs and symptoms of depression. So oftentimes depression goes unrecognized and, and is also associated with poor health, uh, high mortality rate, and increased risk of suicide. So diagnosis and treatment are extremely important with elderly people. Um, you know, in the postpartum, new mothers uh, suffering from what's called the baby blues. Uh, basically, postpartum is a, a longer-lasting and more serious depression triggered in part by hormonal changes of having the baby. And so when you look at that, you want to look at how connected do you feel after having the baby and are you suffering from depression? So here's, um, you know, causes and risk factors. Here's a very simple, and I'm trying to just lay it all out for you. Loneliness, lack of social support, recent stressful life experiences, family history of depression, marital or relationship problems, financial strain, early childhood trauma or abuse. Uh, I can't tell you how many people were very thin little children that end up being very plump adults that go through sexual trauma. And that is a defense mechanism to prevent themselves from being uh, attacked again or molested or taken advantage of. That many people that get taken advantage of in childhood have weight problems later on in life and struggle through depression. Alcohol or drug abuse, unemployment or underemployment, health problems or chronic pain these are things that cause depression. And so when your life is going through that, many people have what's called, that are working, have what's called an employee assistance program. It is very important to take advantage of that because an employee assistance in EAP program offers you free counseling. And what you want is when you notice that you've got these symptoms, these things that are starting to creep into your life and take over your life, financial strains, alcohol issues, uh, dealing with childhood trauma, loneliness, lack of support, stressful life. These are things that you want to offer yourself the opportunity to express. Now, why does therapy work? Well, all of a sudden you start hearing yourself talk to somebody who doesn't know you. And you start hearing yourself and what you're saying. And not only do you start hearing yourself, you start reflecting back on what you say and start to understand that it's no longer subconscious, it's now conscious. And what we pull out of our subconscious into our conscious by talking about things that we don't normally talk about, we begin to process. And the therapist is there to help you process and create options and really work through these problems. You can nip depression in the bud if you can recognize the symptoms early and tackle them early. And that is key to managing this thing. Okay, so what do you want to do to recover? Well, the first thing is you want to ask for help and support. You want to understand that I cannot control everything in my life. I feel like I'm out of control. I need some help. That is the first step. Also, you want to start making healthy changes in your life if you want to recover from depression. That means you want to start making supportive relationships 
And that doesn't mean you go out there and find a bunch of depressed people and all sit in the room and kumbaya with each other. You really want to pick people that are more motivating and stronger in how they deliver their life, more individual, more decisive, really good people. You really want to focus on that because if you don't do that, what happens is we surround ourselves with more depression and that creates an even worse situation. Also, getting regular exercise and sleep is critical. Managing your sleep is critical. How do you sleep? Well, it's very simple. You lay down and you think about a function rather than a thought, a function, and you make the room dark and you don't have the TV on and you don't have a lot of music on and you don't have noise going on. You lay there and you focus on the function of how am I breathing? How am I breathing? Not through my nose, through my mouth. And if you do that for three minutes and just do that, your brain will actually go out like a computer and basically go blank and you will go to sleep. Many people do not do that. They use their sleep time to think. Not a good idea. You don't think well without sleep. Sleep is more important than your thoughts. You need to get eight hours, and by God, go out and buy a decent bed because you spend eight hours in it. If you're not in a good bed, get a good bed because you need it. The other thing is it's probably the best investment, more expensive, more not more expensive, but more valuable than your car uh, is to your quality of life. And, and so you need to invest in something good and get a decent pillow. Don't go to Walmart and buy something for two bucks. Get, you know, put, put a pillow on your bed that's going to support you and support good sleep habits for you. Also, you want to manage stress. And uh, that means that you take a break. You, you, you begin to, to discuss your stress rather than hold it in. Also, you want to eat uh, healthfully and, and naturally boost your mood. And that means eat organic foods, eat fruits, vegetables, meats. Eat decent foods. Stop eating junk all the time. If you do that, you're probably going to make your brain feel better. And, you know, you are what you eat. And if you start looking like what you eat, you're going to feel like crap. And so, you know, if you're going to put crap in your body, your body's going to turn to crap. So you need to eat healthy. Also, you want to practice relaxation uh, techniques and challenge your negative thought patterns. You know, relaxation is very simple. It means you let your mind take a vacation. You let it go. And that means if you have a hobby that occupies your brain, that's a great thing because the hobby gets your brain away from those negative thoughts. So, you know, you want to build emotional skills. And, and, and these skills are about managing stress and about balancing moods. You, you want to seek professional help, outside help, not mom and dad and friends and all that crap. You want to seek professional help when you feel like you're moving into depression. And you want to also think, okay, am I willing to take an antidepressant as a supplement to my dopamine levels? Because I'm not doing what it takes. I'm not exercising. I'm sitting in my office all day. I'm eating like crap. At least you can do is get a supplemental medication like an antidepressant to give your brain what it needs to recover. If you can do that, then maybe you'll start eating healthy, maybe you'll start exercising, and maybe you'll actually feel like yourself for the first time. I cannot tell you how many people have taken an antidepressant and within two to three days said, wow, I didn't realize how much of me was gone. And it will bring you back instantly. That's the beauty of medication is it brings you back to who you are very, very quickly and very efficiently. So, you know, there's some uh, options for treatment, and there's a lot of options for treatment. 
But really the best treatment, because it's a thought disorder, is cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy means that we're going to change our behavior and we're going to change our thoughts. And by doing that, that takes a professional and it, and, and it takes somebody to assist you and to be outside the problem changing your thoughts. So the ways that you want to change your thoughts and change your behaviors is doing things that you're not comfortable doing, saying positive things to people rather than negative things to people, uh, being nice to people when you're used to being irritable, complimenting people, bringing out the best in people, focusing very intensely on one day in your life where you make a lot of people feel good and you don't focus on yourself. If you do that, you're going against the wave of depression, where you're making your life purposeful rather than purposeless, what happens is the more purpose we have to our life and the more we feel purpose in our life, the less we're going to fall into a pocketed depression. The problem with depression is it defeats you from having a purposeful life. It is a struggle with having a purposeful life or a not purposeful life. So what I'm trying to say is our life's purpose is not all about us. It is about taking care of us so we can help others. That's what our life does. Where we can be taking care of ourselves well enough that we can take care of others. And meaning take care of others doesn't mean we're caretakers. It means that throughout the day as we wave ourselves in and out of other people's lives that we actually lift people up and we give them something that they need. So I've talked a lot about the chemical deficiency. Um, you know, many people say that, you know, as I've said, depression is caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain and that medication can correct. But also, once again, the brain chemical can be corrected by your behaviors changing. Um, the truth is that causes of depression are far more complex than a simple deficiency in serotonin and other neurotransmitters. Since there's no test that can measure the amount of serotonin in the, in the living brain, there is no way to even know what a low or normal serotonin level is and, and dopamine level. So what you have to do is understand it by the physical symptoms that I described that lead to depression and that show you what depression looks like. If you can recognize those things, then you can tell that your brain is having a low and dopamine and serotonin levels. So, you know, as aspirin can cure a headache, you know, the cause of depression, you know, cause of, let's say, a migraine is not the aspirin. You're treating it with something that's going to help the headache, but it's not going to stop the headache from going away. So with depression is you've got to take on the thought factors that lead to depression because it will come back if you continue to think the same as you've thought before. Now, um... Here's the risks of medication, and, and this is very important to understand, that people over 65, studies show that, it may, uh, that uh, antidepressants may risk uh, falls, fractures, bone loss. With pregnant women, it may uh, lead to short-term withdrawal symptoms in newborns after delivery. Uh, typical symptoms include tremors, restlessness, mild respiratory problems, and weak crying, Okay, with teens and adults, uh, the U.S. Uh, Drug and Food Administration requires all depression uh, medications to include a warning about increased risk of suicide in children and, and, and young adults. So there are side effects that can affect uh, people. You know, people who are bipolar can actually take uh, make it worse 
or, or trim it, trigger a manic episode if they get the wrong medication. And so antidepressants have to be managed. And once again, you can usually tell within a day or so, unless it's a Prozac or Paxil, which are very slow burn uh, medications, but you can usually tell fairly quickly that a medication is working and not working. If it's not working, if you're getting uh, a lot of mixed feelings or strange feelings if you take a medication, then what you want to do is pull off and see if the doctor can give you something else. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the treatment of combined uh, cognitive therapy and all kinds of different treatment options. Come back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. We're talking about depression, of course. And uh, depression is something that so many people are familiar with. I was just talking about medication. And, and, you know, it would be unfair for me and not right for me to talk about, you know, side effects because there are people that have them. And and once again, if you're going to take an antidepressant, you need to know uh, where it affects you and how it can affect you if it's the wrong medication. Um, Some of them have uh, some of these symptoms, uh, side effects uh, or withdrawal symptoms as anxiety and agitation. Uh, some of them, some people have what are, what are like flu-like symptoms. They have uh, insomnia, uh, nausea and vomiting, dizziness, stomach cramping. Uh, some people have even electric shock sensations or tremor, tremors or muscle spasms. These are things that you want to look for. And what I'm saying is it may be that a medication is right for you, but it may also be that the antidepressant that you're taking uh, is not the right one. But there's several. There's several out there. There's just tons of them out there, and they're very good. There's a lot of new generations of antidepressants that are out there that do great jobs. Now, what you also want to understand about antidepressants is that antidepressants, there's two types of depression. 
Um, and, and I'm based, and this is a very high end discussion. This is not way down there into a research paper, but this is a, a, a bird's eye view of depression. Two basic major parts of depression. Some people are depressed because they are anxious. Some people, you know, anxiety and depression go together. They're both in the same pocket. So some people are extremely anxious. They have lots of worries. They try to control everything. They're freaked out about everything. Uh, they, lots of things are traumatic to them. Uh, lots of things are very serious. Life is extremely serious, and they're very, very much into worrying. And that is an anxiety-oriented person, and that leads to depression, and that is an anxiety-based depression. So the, mass, uh, the vast majority of the depressed population out there is that type of a depressed person. That kind of person, the medications that are best for them are the lower milligram, like 20 milligram, 15, 20, 25, 30 milligram medications that are out there because they treat the anxiety first and the depression second. So that means that they're dealing with the anxiety and they're also dealing with the depression. That's your lower, your, your lower milligram antidepressants do that. If you're taking a high milligram, uh, like 100 to 200 to 300, something like that, oftentimes you're, you're taking for the other kind of depression, which is you're very sad, you're very down, you're very depressed, you can't get out of bed, uh, you don't feel motivated to do anything, and that kind of depression is depressed first and anxious because you can't get out of bed and get things done. Your life, your integrity, the people that you've promised, the people that count on you can no longer count on you. Now you've the, the depression has defined who you are rather than you. And so many people are challenged with that debilitating depression and they're more depressed than they are anxious. And those people end up taking more effectively the higher dosed medications for antidepressant that are in the high milligrams. And so if you you might want to discuss with your doctor if you do take an antidepressant, you need to identify am I more anxious than I am depressed or am I more depressed than I am anxious? And that is what dictates the right medication for you. Okay. So guidelines for taking antidepressants and then I'll get off it and I'm not I'm not uh, advocating only antidepressants, but what I'm trying to strongly say is it can help you. But you want to see, see you, you do want to see a psychiatrist if you feel like you have a debilitating depression. But if it's not a debilitating depression, if it's more of an anxiety-based depression, you're more irritable. If it's not, if you're not deep into all the symptoms, you can see a family physician. But they may, they might help you. Um, you know, that, that you are depressed and they may help you with some medications. But if it's something you're challenged with on a long-term basis, I would, I would recognize that and I would recommend you going to a psychiatrist who actually treats this and also a therapist at the same time. So, you know, your health depends on your doctor's expertise. So it's important to include them in your decisions and also inform them of your decisions. But a psychiatrist may be the one if, if your depression is debilitating. Also, you want to follow the instructions when you're taking a medication. Be sure to take your antidepressant according to the doctor's instructions. Don't skip. And I can't tell you how many people do this. They'll skip it or they'll alter their dose or they don't stop taking their pills as soon as they feel better. 
you know, stopping treatment prematurely is associated with high relapse rates and can cause serious withdrawal symptoms. You're playing with fire. If you're going to pull yourself off an antidepressant without or skip doses without consulting your doctor and without going through the, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for a very big, sad moment in your life. Um, you know, you also want to be very aware of drug interactions, and that's another reason why you want to consult your family physician. You want to know uh, that, you know, what you're taking isn't interacting with sleep aids or, or some other prescriptions that you're taking, such as painkillers or cold medicines or alcohol. If you're doing a lot of alcohol or, or recreational drugs of any kind or even taking an antihistamine, you, you really need to talk to your doctor about taking an antidepressant because those, an antidepressant does not do well with alcohol. It doesn't do well with prescription. Some prescription drugs it does fine with, but non-prescription recreational drugs it doesn't do well with. You, you, know, you may as well not take it. Um, you're setting yourself up. Also, you want to monitor those side effects, and I gave you what those are. And you also need to be patient because sometimes it takes time to find the right the right antidepressant and the right dosage. And most of the time when you're prescribed an antidepressant, the dosage is the smallest possible dose you could take. And so what you have to do is ramp up. Usually most people don't get the strong effect when they first start taking an antidepressant because they're taking it at such a low amount that it's really not helping them that much. It's not until they get into the higher doses that they actually see the full therapeutic effect. Also, generic drugs have the same use, dosage, side effects, risk, safety profile, and proficiency as the original brain name. So don't be afraid of generic uh, medications. So let's talk about combining with you know, therapy. Cognitive therapy is thought therapy. It, it's best known and, and, and widely tested from many behavioral and cognitive uh, interventions done, and it's been formed throughout many years of, of an accumulated amount of therapists that have published materials on cognitive therapy. Uh, it all started with a guy named Aaron Beck, who developed it for depression in the 60s. By 1979, he and his colleagues had, had uh, codified the treatment in a detailed manual, and that manual set the basis for cognitive and cognitive behavioral therapy. It is an extremely effective due to the fact that, once again, depression is primarily a thought disorder, meaning your brain isn't thinking well and the chemicals in your brain are responding to how your thoughts are. Sometimes your chemicals are, your chemical level of serotonin and dopamine, once again, are so low that we cannot get back to thought until we treat the serotonin and dopamine levels, meaning you either exercise your butt off or you take an antidepressant and you get more sleep. So, you know, what, what uh, the cognitive therapy does is it basically reframes your thinking, meaning that you start thinking in a much more constructive way. It, it studies what's called your maladaptive thought processes and the things that you're stressed about and how you're perceiving uh, those stresses. And once again, we talked about what is the thought disorder of depression. It's expectations. If you have unreasonable and uncontrollable over expectations, what you're going to have is what's called the maladaptive thinking. That means it challenges those expectations and it converts them into what you can control, which are preferences. It diffuses your emotional attachment to expectations. 
And that's what you want to do when you're trying to take on depression. It is that simple. You diffuse thoughts that are not adaptive, that are, are over-controlling and have unreasonable expectations. You know, outcomes of, of uh, cognitive therapy, which were conducted like in the 70s and 80s, suggest that it is the most effective way in reducing acute distress and also uh, depression. Now, exploring your depression treatment op options are massive. There's lots of ways. You know, no two people are affected the exact same way by depression, and there's no one-size-fits-all treatment that cures depression. But what works, one person might not work. And so the best way to treat depression is to become as informed as possible about the treatment options and then tailor them to meet your needs. So here's some tips. Learn as much as you can about your depression. It's important to determine whether your depression symptoms are due to an underlying medical condition. If so, that condition will need to be treated first. The severity of your depression is also a factor. The more severe the depression, the more intense the treatment is going to be medically. So you want to take on both the medical and the thoughts based on the medical. You know, it, it also takes time to find the right treatment. So it might take some trial and error to find the treatment and support what works best for you. For example, if you decide to pursue therapy, it may too, take a few times with that therapist. And you, if you don't click with them, get somebody else. For God's sake, some people sit with somebody that never... Uh, really gets them to where they need to be. If you're with a therapist that is mundane and not interested and you don't click with them, by God, go out there and find somebody that's got a life and personality. You know, there's lots of people in this field that are tired and they, they're, they, they, they're listening to people all day long. You know, the deal is you want somebody that knows what they're doing and is passionate and is passionate about you and cares about you. And that is very important to have in therapy. Also, you don't want to rely on medications. As much as I talked about medications, that is not the way out. It is the way to get your brain into a suitable long-term uh, condition to where you are receptive to therapy. You also want to get social support. You know, the more you cultivate your social connections, the more protected you are from depression. If you're feeling stuck, don't hesitate to talk to family members or friends that you trust. Seek out new connections. Uh, seek out a depression support group if you can, but don't fall into the depression. You know, what you want to do is seek out people that are positive. You know, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of intelligence. Also, here's some lifestyle changes that we talked about earlier. You know, lifestyle changes are an essential part of treating depression. Um, they're power tools, exercise, regular, unnegotiated, uncompromised, unemotionally decisioned exercise. Regular exercise can be as effective as treating depression as medication. Not only does it energize and boost your serotonin, your dopamine, your endorphins, and other feel-good brain chemicals, it also triggers the growth of new brain cells and connections just like antidepressants do. And best of all, you don't have to train for a marathon in order to reap the benefits. Even just a half hour of walking, just a nice brisk walk will help you. But also for maximum results, 60 minutes of aerobic activity on a normal day. Eating well is important for your mental and your physical health. Eating small, well-balanced meals throughout the day will help you keep your energy up and minimize mood swings. While you may be drawing uh, energy from sugary foods for the quick boost, but you and, and the complex uh, carbohydrates are, are a much better choice. They'll get you going without all too soon uh, 
you know, sugar crash that you're probably going to have. Also, sleep. Once again, get a decent bed. Get get a decent pillow. Sleep has a strong effect on your mood. When you don't get enough sleep, your depression symptoms will be worse. Sleep deprivation exacerbates irritability, moodiness, sadness, fatigue, all signs of depression. Make sure you're getting enough sleep each night. For very few people, do well on less than seven hours of sleep. So you aim, you want to aim for somewhere between seven to nine hours. Also, stress reduction. Make changes in your life to help manage and reduce stress. Too much stress exacerbates depression and puts you at risk for future depression. So take aspects of your life that stress you out, such as work overload or unsupportive relationships, and find ways to minimize their impact. Reprioritize. That's what it's about. So that's our show. Our next show is about co-parenting made easy. So many people screw up their children by doing a bad job of co-parenting. And so I want to take this on and advocate for these children's lives by talking about co-parenting and how we can make it easier on ourselves and on our children. If you're divorced, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And unfortunately, the jerk, whoever that is, is probably not going to be the one that's going to listen. So I want to thank everyone for listening. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. drgbmft at sbcglobal.net is my email or Twitter at drgbmft. Remember, never date a woman whose heels are taller than your penis. (laughs) Also, always look for how large a woman's purse is. It tells you how much baggage comes with them. That's our show. I hope you listen to Co-Parenting Made Easy next week. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.